Anyhow, uh, quite a few years ago, I'm guessing it would have been 2006, 2007, somewhere in that time frame, it was one, one of our earlier vacation Bible schools that we had here at Fellowship Baptist Church. Um, and I believe the theme of that week was God rescuing us. So uh, each day during the week, we went right next door to the fire department, and they would share with us about rescuing people, about the equipment they used, and those sorts of things. And I want to say, at the get-go, I'm very appreciative for people that risk their lives for others. Uh, I have a high admiration for, for firemen, um, especially like in Nevis, it's a volunteer fire department. You know, these guys willingly volunteer to put their lives on the line. And we are very appreciative of that. But one of the days at Vacation Bible School, they had gotten some new equipment and they were telling us about the new equipment they had received. Uh, they had gotten some cold water rescue gear and they had a, a I think they called it a banana boat. Kind of looks like a yellow banana, but the ends are open so somebody can climb in there and uh, they had cold water suits that they would wear and try to get this uh, boat out to where the people needed to be rescued and then get them uh, back to shore. And two of the firefighters dressed up in their cold water rescue suits. They called them Gumby suits. And um, they're not very flattering, okay? They're just kind of these yellow, big, blobby sorts of suits. And... Uh, Though, it, though what they had is very amazing equipment, it, it wasn't cool to wear what they had. You know, it wasn't fashionable to put on a cold water rescue suit. Um, yet the suits are worn for a purpose, and the purpose is for rescuing people from the icy water where they would die or drown from hypothermia. So, uh, at the time, I asked the firemen, have you had an opportunity to use these to rescue somebody? And at that point, they had not, okay? Uh, but back on Saturday, November 20th, 2010, at 11.15 in the morning, a call came that there were three people uh, stranded on Island Lake, just south of Nevis here, in the water. Um, they had apparently taken a hovercraft. This is kind of in between the freeze time. Ice is not good. They'd taken a hovercraft to move from their cabin or house to get to shore, whatever, that was their mode of transportation, and everything was working fine, but the sharp ice punctured the flotation on the hovercraft, uh, the, they started sinking, the engine eventually stopped, so you got three people out in very cold water in a very bad situation. So the Nevis crew went um, to try to rescue these people, and my understanding is I don't remember if one or two guys was with the boat, but I know for sure one of them ended up ripping their uh, cold, cold weather suit and getting wet, and he got started getting really tired. He's not able to get out to them. So they sent in the call for more help to come. Eventually, um, Walker has a heavy-duty um, hovercraft that they were able to bring, uh, but the... The ambulance people got on site right away. They started timing how long these people had been in the water because that's very important. And long story short, the people got rescued from that hovercraft that came from Walker. Um, it was a 48-year-old man, his 20-year-old son, and the son's 19-year-old friend. Uh, everything turned out well. Um, 
But according to what one of the people said, two more minutes in the water and they wouldn't have made it, one rescue worker said. The body temperatures of the rescued people were 89 degrees, which you may think, no big deal, right? Well, your heart stops at 85 degrees. So they were very close to a very bad situation. Um, and the good thing is, uh, I think a week or two later, uh, the man that was rescued met with those that rescued him. He shared his appreciation, gave quite a few um, donated gifts to help them, uh, gifts of um, equipment to them that were helpful. I would ask you this morning, do you think that the people involved in that rescue operation were ashamed that they rescued other people from a life-threatening situation? Do you think they were ashamed? I don't think so. Do you think they were ashamed of what they looked like in their funny suits? Their uncool suits? Do you think they were ashamed? I don't think so either. Um, I don't think any of them were ashamed of trying to rescue people from a very dire situation, uh, danger, death. Um, and I don't think they should have been ashamed. Sadly, I think there are those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ for our salvation and we're ashamed to represent Jesus Christ to those that are tragically <laughs> floundering about that need Jesus Christ to save them. Are we ever ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are we ever embarrassed to tell others about Jesus? Uh, I think that's probably one of the main reasons why we do not share the good news of the gospel with others like we ought to. Um, the title of the sermon today is, What is There to be Ashamed Of? And we're going to be looking at um, Romans 1, verses 16 and 17. And, and lest you get too worried, I, I said at the beginning of our study of Romans, I don't plan to take many, many years going through Romans. It looks like we might be because we're looking at two verses today. But these two verses happen to be, I think, very key verses for the book of Romans. So look with me, if you will, at verse 16 and 17. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for the, the letter the epistle of Romans that we are able to study. I thank you for the, the very clear um, teaching that we find there about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Heavenly Father, as we look at these two verses today, I pray that you'd help us to truly learn and truly apply what we learn to our lives so that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Again, just a reminder, encourage you to go ahead and do some study in Romans on your own during the week. I think the more you study, the more you're going to get out of it. But as we look at these verses today, I want to start by asking a question. What is there in your life that you are ashamed of? And I'm sure we have, all have a long list, right, of things that we are ashamed of in our lives. Uh, maybe it's sin that you've committed. Maybe it's foolish choices that you have made. Uh, it seems to me that often we are not as ashamed of the sins that we have committed and are more ashamed of what has saved us from our sin, that being Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why would I say that? Because it is the one thing that often we don't tell other people about. We're very silent about that. Um, we, in our adult Sunday school class, we are going through 
uh, a series on evangelism. And in the book we are studying, uh, the author talks about the sin of silence. Have you ever heard about the sin of silence? That is when we don't open our mouths and tell people about our Savior Jesus Christ when we should. Uh, many times our witness for Christ is not sabotaged by what we do, but instead it's sabotaged by what we don't do. If your voice trembles, your hands shake, you get all nervous about telling somebody the gospel, it's okay. God can use that. But if we say, oh, I'm afraid my voice is going to shake, I'm afraid I'm going to get nervous and I don't say anything, God can't use that. So um, don't be intimidated. Uh, don't, don't be afraid of being rejected. Don't be afraid of what people are going to think. Uh, we can sin by doing things that we shouldn't do. We can also sin by not doing what we should do. And I think that's the case in evangelism. We often don't do what we should do, and that's telling others. Um, the goal of the sermon today is to present truth to you concerning your sharing of the gospel with others in the hope that all of us will improve in this area. I'm not, the sermon is not to bash you, okay? The sermon is hopefully to encourage you. I know I can do a better job, and you probably can do a better job of evangelizing others as well. Um, so Paul is very clear in this passage, telling us that he is not ashamed of the gospel. And I think there are some principles we can learn from him as we study this. There's five principles that I see here that, that Paul really has for us about not being ashamed of the gospel. Number one, the gospel is the power of God. Okay, the gospel is the power of God. Is there anything more powerful than God? Nothing. Nothing. Uh, God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. So when we carry the gospel, when we seek to bring the gospel to somebody, according to what Paul is teaching here, we are bringing the power of God. I'm glad we are, aren't you? <laughs> it's not our power. It's God's power. Um, so nothing or no one is more powerful than God, and we are involved in God's power uh, because the gospel is the power of God. So the dynamite found in the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only power that can heal a broken body that's been wrecked by sin. Um, the gospel is the only power that can clean up peoples whose lives have been wrecked by sin. Occasionally, I've been able to get over to, I believe it's called Pine Manor over here, uh, treatment center, and um, I've worked with people over there, and they're usually there for a month or two months, and I often think, this person's going to make it. They've got it, you know, because they seem really interested in following Christ, doing the right things, and I find out afterwards, it didn't last long. You know, it was maybe a day or two. Why is that? It's because we can't do that on our own. We cannot change our lives. It's the Holy Spirit working through us, through God and his gospel. So, uh, as the song says, there's power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. There once was a, a young boy that was uh, about six years old, and his mother died. And... He struggled for most of his early life over her death. When he was 20 years old, a friend gave him a picture of his mother that spurred him to write about uh, this about her. My mother, I heard the bell tolled on thy burial day. I saw the hearse that bore thee slowly away. And turning from my bedroom window, I drew a long, long sigh and wept. 
After many years of mental meltdowns, this man had a nervous breakdown. He then threw his mother's Bible away and cursed God as he was ushered into a mental hospital after trying to commit suicide. In 1764, and still in a mental hospital, he happened to pick up someone's Bible that fell from their hands. As he picked it up off the floor, it just happened to open to Romans 3.25, which happened to be highlighted for his eyes to catch. And if you want to turn over a few pages, I'm going to read that verse. <clears throat> Romans 3.25, God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. William Cowper, the great hymn writer, was saved on the spot that day. Uh, out of that experience came these words that we sang earlier, page 196. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. When this poor, lisping, stammering tongue lies silent in the grave, then in a nobler, sweeter song, I'll sing thy power to save, I'll sing thy power to save. Uh, there have been millions throughout history that have, have benefited from the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power that it has. When we forget the power of God in the gospel, I think we become ashamed of it. So let's never forget the great power that God has in the gospel. Secondly, point two, the gospel is for salvation. The Greek word Paul uses is soteria. It's translated salvation in most um, translations of the Bible. But it's not limited to mere rescue from danger. Uh, once the immediate peril is passed, salvation means continued preservation from harm and ongoing opportunity to thrive. And that's what the gospel is. It's, it's rescue from danger, but then it's the opportunity to thrive. Um, and I think part of our problem, why we become ashamed of the gospel, is that we forget that hell is a very real place. Um, people who have not received the gospel are headed for an eternity there. They may be really, really nice people, good people, but if they've not placed their faith in Jesus Christ, guess what? They're headed for an eternity in hell. A uh, terrible, terrible thing. And I think we can often forget that, or we don't want to think about that, we just want to think about ourselves and that's a bad place to be, because hell is a very real place. In Luke 16, verses 19 through 31, we've got the account there. Jesus is teaching about Lazarus, um, the beggar, and the rich man. And from what we can tell, it, it's a glimpse for us of what happens to a person who dies. Uh, they both had died. Uh, Lazarus, we are told, was in Abraham's bosom. Uh, Christ said to the thief on the cross, you'll be today with me in paradise. I think that's kind of a similar concept there. But the, um, the rich man was, it depends on what translation you have, either says hell or Hades. And the description we get there, it's a very terrible place. I mean, we just get one little glimpse. But it's enough for me to say, I don't want to be there. You know, it's probably enough for you to say, I don't want to be there. And it should be enough for us to say, we don't want anybody else we know or don't know to be there. Because it's a terrible, terrible place. Um, we then learn in, uh, Jesus goes on to describe that. We know when you get into the book of Revelation, there's going to be the great judgment. 
when then those who are unsaved along with Satan and the demons are going to be cast into the lake of fire and be tormented forever and ever. Um, but there is good news. That's what the word gospel means, good news. The good news is there is opportunity for rescue from that. And that's because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Um, in John 10.10, Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full or have it more abundantly. So Jesus gives us an opportunity to thrive. If we've placed our faith in him, it's a good thing. It's a great thing. Uh, living our lives with him as our Savior is a wonderful blessing that really gives meaning to our lives. The gospel truly means salvation for those who place their faith in Jesus Christ. There's a story about a lighthouse keeper. He was on a rocky uh, coast, and he would be given a supply of oil each month. This is back pre-electric days, to keep the light burning, to keep people safe. And one night, there's a knock on his door, and a woman comes and says, Hey, could, could you spare a little oil for me? You know, I, I, I'm out, I need some. So he gives her some oil. And a while later, a man comes and says, Hey, I need some oil. My light, I'm out. My light I can't use because it doesn't have oil. Uh, long story short, eventually it gets to the point where, guess what? The light runs out of oil and it goes out. Well, that night there were wrecks along that coast because of what happened. Um, so when the authorities investigated, the lighthouse keeper was very apologetic. He told them he was just trying to be helpful with the oil. The reply of the investigators to his excuse was simple. You were given the oil for one purpose, and one purpose only, to keep that light burning. I think we need to make sure we are fulfilling our purpose, which Christ has given to us, of proclaiming the truth of the gospel to others, to keep our light burning, uh, so to speak. So um, we should never be ashamed of the gospel. We need to share it whenever we might, wherever we are, and not get sidetracked. Uh, think about it. The gospel is not intended to save civilization from wreck wreckage, but the, instead the gospel is intended to save people from the wreckage of civilization. Okay, we can talk about how terrible our world is, but you really aren't doing much unless you're telling others the truth of the gospel, because I think it's pretty obvious how bad the world is. Um, but the only answer is Jesus Christ uh, so we, we must never forget that people are headed for a miserable eternity in hell unless they hear and receive the gospel. And we're going to see in, in Romans 9 and 10, uh, the feet of those that bring the gospel are beautiful. Why is that? Because they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're bringing the good news. Um, as the people out in the icy waters of Island Lake needed to be rescued from certain death if nothing was done, they were rescued. But what about the people that we see struggling along and we're unwilling to do what we could do? No, our sharing the gospel with them isn't going to save them. Obviously, that's God's job to do. But our job is to proclaim the truth, to be the, the newspaper delivery person, to uh, shine the light of the gospel. So we've seen that the gospel is the power of God and that the gospel is for salvation. Thirdly, the gospel is for anyone who believes. The gospel is not limited to Jews or to Gentiles. It's for anyone. Um, it's for anybody that places their faith in what Christ did for them. They believe that Jesus took their place on the cross. He paid the price for their sin. Uh, 
Belief is very important. Uh, John 3.16 um, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever does what? Believes. Should not perish, but have everlasting life. Um, so we need to make sure we are spreading that news to others. On September 11th, 2001, many people died. 3,212, I think, is the final count. Um, in the, the great uh, terrorist disaster, you might call it, um, we know that people died in three locations, the World Trade Center, the Pentagon, and on board an airplane, United Flights, flight number 93, which was headed for Washington, D.C. I believe it crashed over Pennsylvania. How did you hear about the news of that event? Why don't you put your thinking cap on? How did you hear? Radio talk. Okay. It probably wasn't from the newspaper, right? It'd be a little late to get that. Uh, and I don't, I don't remember where our technology was back then. Maybe we got it from a newspaper online would be a possibility, I suppose. But how many of, of you either heard it from, let's start with heard it from somebody. Raise your hand if you heard it from somebody, okay? How many of you saw it on TV? How many heard about it on the radio? Okay, all right, pretty much the whole, the whole all three. Okay, good. Um, I remember, it's kind of one of those deals, you know, where were you when Kennedy was shot? Where, where were you on 9-11? Um, and I happened to be working a painting job, and my brother-in-law, who was the boss, came and he told us all about it. He goes, you won't believe what happened. And so instantly we turned on the TV and we saw what had taken place. He, they had a TV going in the paint store when he'd gone to get the paint, so he, he found out about it. So we found out about it. Um, but most of us had quick access to that, right? Uh, it was a big event. Nothing like that had ever happened in our nation before. Uh, you can say Pearl Harbor, but Pearl Harbor really wasn't a state then. You know, it was a territory. But this was an attack on our, our land, you know, and people heard about it. Um, the gospel is for anyone, and it's about belief. Anyone who chooses to believe the gospel will be rescued. You know, we could have said, some people could have said, well, and some people do still say, well, that didn't really happen. It was a government conspiracy. Everybody's entitled to their belief, right? But if you saw the TV coverage, it sure looked like airplanes ran into the trade towers, you know, and there sure was a lot of rubble and things afterwards. Um, so just because something like that had never happened doesn't mean we shouldn't believe it, right? Nothing has ever happened like what Jesus Christ has done. And some people don't want to believe it. But that's their choice. It's just like it's our choice. Fourthly, the gospel reveals the righteousness of God. Let's take a look at verses 16 and 17 again. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. Augustine, one of the early church fathers, church leaders back in the 4th century, was seen by an old friend from his pagan days. And his friend came up to him and said, Aren't you ashamed of the terrible things you used to do? To which Augustine replied, Yes, I am ashamed of the dirty things I did in my past, but I am not ashamed of the one who saved me from my past. That should be our philosophy. Um, the Bible tells us that our righteousness is what? Useless, filthy rags. So are you ever going to be good enough to get to heaven? 
Not going to work. You can try and try and try, but it's not going to get you to heaven. It's only through Jesus, faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross that is going to get us into heaven. The gospel reveals God's righteousness, and that is applied to our account. So if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, God doesn't see you for who you are, the terrible sinner that you are. He sees you through Christ's righteousness. He sees you uh, as spotless, like Jesus Christ. Um, so the gospel reveals that God's righteousness is applied to our account. Our ledger has nothing but sin. But because of Christ, we are seen as sinless because of what he has done for us. Um, I strongly disagree with people who say that Jesus was just a, a good man, a moral teacher. Not true. He was much more than that. He was not just a man, he was God. He was the perfect sinless sacrifice and his perfect sinlessness is applied to our account. Hallelujah, right? What a great thing. Um, lastly, point five, the gospel is all about faith. Our receiving the gospel and proclaiming the gospel is all about faith. Without faith, we will learn. <laughs> we haven't gotten there yet. We're going to learn without faith, we are dead people. We are spiritually dead. There is nothing good in any of us. We are spiritually uh, destitute. It is by faith that we act on the good news of the gospel. It's also by faith that we live the life that we should live because we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ. Um, so Paul is saying at the end of, the, of verse 17, the just or righteous will live by faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 for by grace you have been saved by, what? Faith. Um, and this not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. Faith is believing that God has done what he has said. It is believing that Jesus Christ was God the Son, that he died for us, that he is our only means of salvation. So we are saved by faith, not works. It's also by faith that we then live our lives. And I think that's where we might get into a little bit of trouble with our being ashamed of the gospel. We place our faith in Christ, and then we think, oh, got my fire insurance, I can do whatever I want now. doesn't matter. No, we need to be living our life by faith in our, in our Lord and Savior. So it's, it's by faith that we live the life God wants us to live. You may have heard the gospel, you may have... Uh, known a lot of facts about the gospel. But until you apply the gospel to your life, it doesn't do you any good. Uh, it's through faith that we apply what we learn in the gospel. Uh, there are a lot of things that can bring shame into our lives, but the gospel shouldn't be one of them. Um, we are living in a time when churches and people are living as though they are ashamed of the gospel. Uh, if we've been saved by faith, we need to live by faith. And I think if we are being ashamed of the gospel, we're taking that faith component totally out of it. We're, we're, we're kind of like depending on ourselves, just like a person that thinks they can work their way to heaven. Uh, no, we can't do that. We, we need to depend on Jesus Christ. We need to live by faith. Um, and according to the book of James, we don't work our way to heaven but if we are saved, there should be works in our lives that indicate that we have a relationship with our Savior. Um, 
So one of the works that we should be doing is bringing the gospel to people. The gospel is the one and only message that has tremendous power and is the one thing that Christians should not be ashamed of. Mankind has never developed anything that can remove a person's sin from their life, but the gospel can. What is there to be ashamed of? There once was a great violinist, uh, Franz Kreisler. He lived from 1875 to 1962. He was a world-famous violinist, uh, made a lot of money, but my understanding is he gave a lot of money away. One day he came across a very wonderful violin that he would have liked to have had, but he didn't have the money. So he went back, tried to get things gathered up, tried to get enough money to buy this violin. When he got back to the person that was selling it, it had been sold to a collector. And he was very sad. Uh, but he, he decided to find out who the collector was, got the person's name and address, and went over to visit that person. And uh, he offered to buy the violin from the collector, and the collector said that it had become his prized possession, and he would not sell it. So keenly disappointed, Kreisler was about to leave, but he had an idea. He said, would you mind if I just played that violin one time and then I will leave you alone? And the guy said, sure, play it. So he got it tuned up and he played it and it really moved the collector who had bought the violin. And uh, the collector said, I have no right to keep that to myself, he exclaimed. It's yours, Mr. Kreisler. Take it to the world and let people hear it should be us with the gospel, right? We have no right to keep it to ourselves. We should be sharing the good news with others. Um, God has commissioned us to go to spread his good news. Uh, people in countries where it is illegal to spread the gospel have given their lives unashamedly because of the power of the gospel. Um, I haven't heard recently, but a few years back, I know that one of the fastest growing churches was in Afghanistan. People are martyred in Afghanistan for placing their faith in Jesus Christ. But is that stopping people? No. They're still proclaiming the truth of the word. Um, throughout church history, people have been martyred because of their faith and belief in the gospel and because they couldn't keep quiet about such good news and wanted to share it with others. How many of you have a garden? Um, I must admit, uh, I, I planted the garden, but I've not been out there much since. My wife and daughter have been out there a little bit, uh, but we had a visitor that came last Sunday, and Lisa was out in the garden, and I was embarrassed to take our visitor to the garden that Lisa was working in. Okay, anybody know that feeling? <laughs> All right. Um, have you ever been ashamed of the seed you've planted in your garden? <clears throat> Seed's good, right? Why be ashamed of the, of the seed? We get ashamed of the weeds that grow up in the garden. Um, we have been given the job by God himself to spread the seed of the gospel. There's nothing in the gospel that we should be ashamed of. We should not be ashamed to identify ourselves with Jesus Christ, no matter what the other person thinks. Why do we get so worked up about that? Um, we are called to carry it to the ends of the earth so that all people can hear it and receive it the question I have for us today is, what kind of job have we done? You know, I look at my life, I, I, I've not done the best job ever in that department. And I don't know about your life, how you can 
rate yourself. But I know there are many, many people that need Jesus Christ. We've been given the simple message of salvation through the gospel. A, a three-year-old can place their faith in Christ through the gospel. It's a very simple thing. We complicate it, I think, oftentimes. But we've got what people need. Are we willing to go to them and share it with them? May we be like Paul and unashamedly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, if there is anything that we should be ashamed of, it's not of the gospel. It's of our handling of the gospel and in not taking it to others. Uh, that's where the shame should come, not from the gospel itself. Uh, so, as I look at that passage, I think faith is the key. Are we living our lives by faith? You don't check the faith at the door after you place your faith in Christ. You keep living your life by faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for the challenge we find in these two verses from the Apostle Paul. Lord, I know that I've, I've been sinful, I've been ashamed of the gospel at times, and I know that others here probably have as well. Lord, we pray that you'd forgive our sin. Help us not to be ashamed of this great, wonderful gospel that you have given to us. Help us not to be ashamed of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And yes, we look at our world around us, Lord, we know it, it doesn't look great. But I think that's just an indicator for us that we need to be busy sharing the truth of the gospel because that's the only thing that truly changes people. We thank you for the work that you've done in our hearts, in our lives. If there's someone here that has not placed their faith in Jesus Christ, Lord, we pray that soon they would place their faith in our Savior. And those of us that have placed our faith, help us not to be ashamed. Help us to be proud of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. In his name I pray, amen.